it was it was it was devastating and that that right there the people issue here was uh, was and still is the hardest thing about all of this um, after about a month Google did their first penguin update and that that they made that update and they didn't do another one again for like six or seven months after that right best we could tell only one site recovered at that point we kind of realized this is gonna be this is not an easy fix this is gonna be a long problem to fix yeah and we did our first round of layoffs and we, we, we try to do as generous of a service severance package as we could for folks and try to do everything we could to help them find new jobs. Um, but we had to cut costs because we needed to, we wanted to be able to be around for, for long enough to recover at some point. Grab a cup of coffee, a notepad, and a pen. Coffee for closers only. It's time to talk marketing. Stick around, pal. I still got a lot to teach you. Each week, we bring you some of the best marketing conversations with entrepreneurs who are outthinking, outperforming, and out-earning their competition. Coffee the money! No frills, no fluff. And now your host, Jonathan Taylor. All right, welcome back to the show this week. I'm your host, Jonathan Taylor. Today, we are talking marketing with my guest, Leo Welder. He is the founder of an Austin, Texas-based uh, company called Choose What. They provide practical step-by-step -step guidance to entrepreneurs trying to turn their great ideas into a business. He's going to be talking a little more about his business on today. But the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway we're going to get from this is just from a marketing standpoint, how he overcame one of the biggest setbacks, which was back in 2012. Fascinating story when Penguin hit the uh, Google update, the first Google update hit Penguin, really just crippled his business. And you're going to hear Leo talk about that and how he was able to overcome that because it affected a lot of businesses along the way that uh, Google hit. I mean, he watched his traffic drop significantly and in the process had to uh, really restructure his company as he recovered from that. And uh, I think you'll find this interview really interesting because it's going to, uh, the lessons learned is that uh, obviously you got to do things the right way. You've got to create content the right way. You got to do search engine marketing the right way. And um, he was able to overcome. It took some time. It wasn't an overnight process where he was able to, able to rebound. And in fact, it took a few years and in the process had to scale down, had to um, let a number of employees go in his business, really had to restructure things to a point where he was working with almost all virtual assistants or people, uh, you know, contract work. But, you know, thankfully, his, ba his business is back up and they're doing very well uh, today with that change. But uh, it hasn't come without, uh, uh, indeed, some, um, some pain along the way. And I really wanted to share this story because this is a typical life of an entrepreneur. And uh, anybody that thinks a the life of an entrepreneur is just kind of a straight shot from, from the bottom of the mountain to the very top, uh, they're completely wrong. That's not how it works. You know, it's um, it's more of a zigzag uh, type process because I've seen it happen so often and that happens. There's ups and downs along the way. There's things that work and then there's things that crash. Um, but the important thing is that you have the resolve to get through that. 
but that's a good lesson for all of us. And, and Leo is going to be sharing some things, uh, not only with the uh, the Google update that hurt him, but some other challenges that he's faced during the last uh, six or seven years that he he's owned his business and some things that he's ever uh, had to overcome. But uh, really good marketing lesson today from from Leo Welder, and I'm pleased to have him on the show to share about his business. Choose what Leo. Thanks for joining me today. Of course, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I mean, I um, I really liked your. We talked yesterday on the phone. I really liked your uh, uh, response to uh, the query I put out last week, and it was one of um, just sharing some uh, bootstrapping. You know, entrepreneurs sharing their own um, stories of. Uh, bootstrapping their business and startup success and and yours really stuck out to me because there's uh, you've got quite a few uh, hiccups along the way some ups and downs and I wanted to um, really talk to you and have you share your story because I think that's important that uh, anybody that starts a business has to understand that you know (laughs) this this lifestyle of being a business owner isn't uh isn't all that it's uh, made out to be sometimes you know there are some um we love it you know because we have freedom and we get to um uh you know there's a lot of creativity and there's a lot of freedom and uh you know being able to call the shots in a lot of ways but there's also a lot of headaches being in charge of everything and there's also some things that you have to deal with on a regular basis and uh, because the buck generally stops with you so glad you could come on today and share some uh, some takeaway lessons and uh, appreciate you um, coming on. I tell you, before we begin, if you would share a little bit about your background and, um, you know, you started uh, Choose What? This was back in 2007. And uh, what kind of led you to start up this? Maybe share a little bit about your background before that, but kind of what led you into uh, starting this business? Uh, sure. I won't reach too far back in order to kind of stay on point here, but um, when I came up with the idea for Choose What, I was working at a different company doing search engine marketing. Um, I'd been there for a few years. There was another startup. And um, at some point, I started uh, noticing that there was a lot of information available to consumers who were looking to buy products ranging from you know televisions to you know phones to pretty much anything you can think of. And basically an unlimited amount of resources for those people, but for entrepreneurs and business people who are trying to get things for their business to help their business run better, buying services, whatever it may be, there was very little third-party information besides very specific industry jargon-filled uh, documentation that most entrepreneurs weren't, didn't have the time or probably the experience or background to understand. So the idea initially was to build sort of a consumer reports for business people. Um, so uh, I left my previous job in 2000 and I actually joined up with a partner at that time to, to, uh, to kind of explore this concept and uh, figure out the business model and, um, and really kind of frame the, the idea. And um, we named the business, business initially Zilker Ventures because we didn't really know what where this was going to go and, and you know trademarking a name and those sort of things take time, but we needed something to operate under. So we started Zilker Ventures, started building processes out and uh, getting the ball rolling for the business, doing uh, some research. We came up with the idea of, of using affiliate marketing to generate revenue for the business. And so affiliate marketing is basically a, a referral fees. It's an online version of referral fees. So when, when we send traffic from our site to someone else's site and that person makes a purchase, 
uh, signs up for a product and then ultimately buys that product, uh, they will uh, pay us a referral fee after that, you know, after that relationship has been established. Um, and it's a really easy way for a startup to, or an online startup to, to generate revenue because most of these business, businesses that are out there that offer these deals will offer them to just about anyone because it's a very secure way of advertising for them because they only pay after they have a customer that's a paying customer. Right. So, um, so we built that model out, worked through that, and but we, in order to build a consumer, we realized pretty quickly to build a consumer reports type of site for business people, you had to have a lot of information. Consumer reports is not just one little thing. It's a ton of information. So there was not really, in our minds at that time, a good way to come out right out of the gate with that, you know, sort of aggregate site. So we decided to test it out by picking a single category. And, uh, I, you know, we had talked about this before, you know, uh, uh, kind of our how we got started in our first site, Facts Compare, and where this came from. Um, and while we were getting our infrastructure set up, this was 2007, so we thought at the time we were going to need to get investors, and you know we didn't really uh, know who we were going to be able to communicate with in what way. So we thought we might need a fax service, um, and I had used a fax service at my previous job, an online fax service, and so we decided to sign up for one for the company. And I did a little research because I had a little experience with it, and there was a ton of them, and they all looked pretty similar. So I just kind of got tired of looking at them, and I picked one, and I sent it over to my partner at the time. And he tried to set it up, and we really quickly realized that this service wasn't a good fit because you could only have the faxes going to one or the other person, and that just didn't work for us. So when I tried to un, you know, to uh, switch the services, it was a pain in the butt, and it was just a waste of time. And that's kind of where I said, like, this is exactly the problem we're trying to solve. This is a waste of time. For an <laughs> right. It's stupid. It's a, it's a fax service. It's cheap. It's just I don't want to spend a bunch of time working on this. So this is what we did was we said, okay, let's just gather all the information about the fax services that are available, pricing and like the pertinent information, research it, test it. We're going to spend way more time figuring out the you know the, the what the pros and cons of fax services than any other entrepreneur ever would bother doing but we're going to present that information to online so thousands of people can use the site so then it makes it so it's, it justifies the time investment and that's what that's what the basis for fax compare was so we launched fax compare in early 2008 um, marketed initially just using google adwords and we had had success almost immediately and that really um, galvanized our concept and approach and really kind of uh, motivated us and actually fund, wound up funding things as we move forward um, we were still looking for investors at that time but um, it, that was the the start so that's a lot of background there, but that really is the impetus of the entire business right there. So when you initially started, what I mean, what's the goal to, I mean, as you said, this, <clears throat> this can be very time consuming for the entrepreneur to do a lot of research. So this was a resource site uh, that you laid all of this out. Now, were you primarily doing most of the reviewing, putting that content up, or is this something that you were outsourcing at the time, or had, how was that started? We did everything uh, at the beginning. We uh, every single every, every single word on on the site was written by right. myself or my partner at the beginning. And wow. uh, I mean, as as we've expanded, we you know obviously need you need to get help with that. You can't do it all, uh, do everything yourself. But we've never there back in back in the early days. That something that a lot of people did because you could get away with this with search engines. You can't do it anymore. But they would do uh, they would get scraper bots. So mm -hmm. they would actually have programs that would go out and just scrape content from other sites right. and aggregate it on their site. Um, and we we wanted to to our 
our concept was not to be um, just an aggregator <laughs> of kind of junk content and just kind of scraping off the bottom. We mm -hmm. wanted to, to really focus on high quality content that would really speak yeah. to our audience because we knew what entrepreneurs really were looking for. They wanted something that wasn't filled with jargon, didn't treat them like idiots, but gave them the information that they needed to be able to make a decision and move on mm -hmm. because they're their business isn't about faxing. It's not about emails, email marketing. It's not about emails. Most of them, it's not about websites. It's about whatever it is that they saw, decided yeah. that they wanted to do to start a business. And this other stuff, it just gets in the way. So right. we wanted to make it easier for them to get through those hurdles and do it successfully so those things didn't come back and create problems for them later. Right. Now, you said initially you did you actually declined offers from people that had offered to invest. Is that correct? But you decided to go, you decided to use some of the revenues from at that time, I guess you were generating some of the revenues from facts compare that was helping to build things out. So you declined offers from angels and, and was there a reason in particular, or did you just say, you know what, I think we've, uh, we've got enough internal revenue coming in that we can utilize that rather than looking to um, venture capitalists right now. Um, it was it, it it basically turned out to a decision where you had we had to decide whether we were giving whether what we were giving up in terms of ownership of the business for the for the cash was worth it to us right um, and then also there's a lot of expectations that come with taking money so yeah if you take money first of all there's a lot of reporting <clears throat> a lot of those things that are going to come along with that but at the same time there your investors goals are extremely important you know, extremely important and can sometimes supersede your own personal goals when you take outside money. And it's yeah, they want their money back. <laughs> yeah, they want their money back. They want, they want as big of a return as possible. Absolutely. And so your your risk profile may not match up with theirs. Right. It's really interesting when you start raising money and you just have an idea and you don't have any income and there's really not a whole lot of value there. Raising money and giving away equity for that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Then fast forward and say you say, say you have to make that decision, but you've now you now have something that's generating revenue, that's paying right. a sal paying you a salary, and you have complete autonomy. Yep. And now you're looking at saying, okay, I'm going to raise money, and I'm going to give away equity for that, and they're going to give money to that. But that's now a much more there's it's a much more real trade off at that point. Um, and we just. What, what ultimately happened was once we started re generating revenue from Facts Compare, and we also launched a couple of other sites, one in the virtual PBX space and one in the email marketing space and actually another one in the, in the uh, tax software space. So once we la launched those sites and then we were having success kind of across the board, um, we, uh, we were looking at saying, well, we don't really need the revenue or the, we don't need the, the funds to just kind of keep growing organically with this business model. It's not necessary. There really is no value there. So what uh, what we were had looked at was ways to sort of really accelerate our growth. So we had found a few really high-value domain names, one in particular that we were looking at and were negotiating to purchase. And it was very expensive and it would have been a it would have been a big opportunity, but at all at the same time, it would have been very risky because it's a lot of money to invest in one thing. So that ultimately was the big decision for us was do we want to invest – do we want to tie our future of our business to this large investment in, uh, in, in a web property that may or may not work out? 
where we know what we have today, if we grow it organically and just kind of keep doing this process that we've been doing, will very likely work. And it, it, it just, for us, the security of knowing that we had something that worked was uh, trumped the, the shoot for the moon concept of, of taking outside investment and buying something that we thought could had the chance of being extremely successful, but also might have sunk the whole business. Sure. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about you. Um, I want to get into some of the uh, <clears throat> setbacks <laughs> that you faced along the way. One of them uh, being sued, um, which is kind of interesting, being sued by a publicly traded company. Tell us the story of that, and we'll get into some of the other things, uh, get into the um, the Penguin updates back in 2012 that crippled a lot of online businesses. But I first want to hear about the uh, you guys were being sued. What was the reason there? Well, we were um, – I mean, the – the filings are all public. We were we were sued um, by J2 Global, who owns a number of fax brands, and we had a disagreement over the usage of um, a, a trademark term. Mm-hmm. And um, we had an opinion, and they had an opinion, and so we disagreed, and it ultimately came to the point where um, they filed a suit against us um, to, to resolve the issue. And... Um, uh, without getting into the details of, of the of the actual reasoning for the suit and all of that, because um, it's over now and yeah. kind of like don't want to dig up old old things, <laughs> yeah. right? The, the, what was what was really the challenge of that was being a startup who was we were I believe we were in our first year at that point, trying to both grow a business, continue to fund the business because we know we we'd already declined outside investment at that point. Yeah, um, and uh, and we were on our own and trying to do all of that while also dealing with a lawsuit um, just operationally was extremely difficult. Um, Unless you've been in a lawsuit, you have no idea how much information is required just to to meet the – kind of the data requests or the information requests from the from the person that's suing you so they have a right to you look through all of your emails pertaining to the lawsuit and every every contract that you have and basically everything everything you've every communication you've had that might relate to the lawsuit they have a right to view that so you have to assemble all of that material which in our case was thousands and thousands of pages of documents and redact things that are you consider to be trade secrets and mark things as you know attorney's eyes only and go through everything that you're doing and you have to do it correctly or you can get in trouble with the court yeah. for not doing it properly and that is a, just just handling all of those requests is a huge undertaking yeah not yeah. to mention trying to come up with your strategy of what's how how are we going to resolve this i mean you want to get on with business that's the, ultimately your goal is to get through a lawsuit and survive right um, and uh, and so you have to you know you're talk, having meetings with attorneys and meetings with their attorneys all spending money on all this stuff which is crazy and it moves the process moves so slow I mean it's it it's, it's it's like as an entrepreneur you you want to put this behind you and move on and like chalk it up to lessons learned but uh, but you know when it gets into legal the the legal process is just so slow and it's it you know it's one thing is the financial toll that it can take but. The biggest for an entrepreneur is just this the uh, the time that it takes away from your business when you should be, you know, you're trying to build this thing and then you've got this, you know, lawsuit over here kind of taking, you know, taking time away with all of these, uh, you know, documents that you've got to provide and all of this information that you've got to dig up and everything's got to be just right. All the T's have got to be crossed and the eyes have got to be dotted. And uh, meanwhile, you're trying to build you're trying to build a business and you're like, I, we just want to get through this. 
Exactly. Well, and you know, the time and the finances and the, the thing that shouldn't be downplayed is the emotional toll yep. because it just freaks you out. Right. I mean, it really does. Now, did I mean, you have a family? Just, did you have a family at the time this was going on or, uh, I was not married yet. Okay. Uh, and, uh, so I didn't, <laughs> That's probably a good thing. I, that, yeah, that, that actually probably helped a lot. Right. Uh, so it was just me I was taking care of, but but at the same time you're you're working on this business that you're building and you know you know you have value there and you know you have something you can do and and you have this lawsuit that could just end it all if it doesn't work out. Right. And so you're spending all, so you're kind of question yourself why am I working on all this because it could mm-hmm. all just go away at some point. Yep. Uh, and yeah, and, that's that's and, a that, that's a good point there cuz that's a mental challenge right there thinking in terms of you're you're trying to build this but at the same time you're thinking you know this whole lawsuit could end everything so i'm working what am you know am i really working for something that's truly worth it because this could you know this lawsuit could end everything so what happened there did this did this eventually get settled how long did this uh, suit continue Yes. So we, the, the lawsuit was eventually settled. Um, it, it was a, it was one year basically end to end. And, um, uh, we were able to, to, to make it a relatively, you know, relatively, uh, successful outcome. Um, so we were able to successful being, we were able to, you know, move forward and put things, uh, put this behind us and, um, and form, you know, uh, uh, we now have actually a, a good business relationship with J2 Global. So, mm-hmm. We were uh, ultimately able to to work with their business side and 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 form a, a good partnership ultimately. Right. But um, one thing I do want to say about this: so we were talking before about how you know the mental the the mental anguish that comes from working on a business that you know could just be wiped out from a lawsuit. Right. A lot of people think of business structure as being something that is just a necessary evil and is never really matters that much and they just kind of put it aside. This is a case where it really does matter because we were being sued for something that was going on with facts compare that had nothing to do with choose what choose what had done nothing. The website existed and it was not related and neither was, you know, any of our other websites, but because our business structure was everything was held by Zilker Ventures in one entity everything was subject to that lawsuit and anything that we did after that was subject to that lawsuit until it was settled so we learned quickly that's why real estate people set up separate separate entities for every real estate project that they do because they don't want one real estate project to then impact other real estate projects right, that they might do right so the internet is a website is basically a piece of real estate. So we restructured our business after this, after we learned this lesson, to insulate each website from the other. So if something happens legally or otherwise with one website, it doesn't create problems for the other one. So we can continue to operate on the other websites and not have to worry about you know something that happens with a say it's a smaller website that's not valuable creating a, a financial burden on a, a more important one. So each one is its own entity, so they're not they're not related. It's another in other words, so they can't be it's not all under one roof, so you can't they can't go after everything. They can only go after that one part of it. Right. I mean, we've structured it the way the same way a real we we mimicked a real estate uh, uh, business structure. So we have a holding company called Zilker Holdings okay. that owns Zilker Ventures, which is our operating company, which is where all the employees and and, and, and all of that exists. And that operating company then manages the separate LLCs that own each website. So Facts compares in its own LLC, Choose What's in its own LLC, and those are all 
ultimately owned by Zilker Holdings, but because they're all in separate LLCs, if you file a suit against one of one of them, you're filing a suit against that LLC, not filing a suit against Zilker right. Holdings. So that's great. Um, that's a great. Uh, that's great information there. That uh, that's very important. Um, and I think that's smart on your, you know, you can say uh, lessons learned along the way, you know, from that lawsuit, you learned some valuable lessons, things that you have, you don't plan on revisiting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that I think is really important. Um, you know, if you're, if you're building a business or say you have a successful business, um, and you want to start something new, it's really risky to start that new thing that isn't generating any value inside of the umbrella of your existing business your existing. without creating some kind of separation because right. now you, you're putting your nest egg at risk for right. something that isn't really doesn't have any value yet. Yep. So it yep. spend the extra few hundred dollars to to set up a separate entity to to where you can create some liability protection against yourself for that new that new project. Well, let's talk about the uh, what happened back in 2012 because this is interesting, and I, I hope we can gain some uh, some lessons on this because it's still, you know, there, we're still dealing with. Uh, I think the the, the two, 2012 penguin update was one of the first ones uh out by google uh you know but it's uh, things can you know are constantly changing on the uh within the algorithms of uh, of google what uh what happened there and um i guess you lost a lot of traffic as well as was probably one of the big results of that tell us about that how you kind of um were able to turn the corner there and and uh, how that affected your business well, um, so April 2012 was Penguin 1.0, and um, uh, 2012 was a was a, a big year. And uh, personally, for me, I was engaged uh, to be married. We got married in 2013, but I I, I was engaged. I was president of a, uh, a a nonprofit organization that I I had been involved with for 10 years here in Austin, which was basically a second full time job. Um, I was also building a house, um, and then we had grown in the business. We had about roughly 15 employees full-time in the office at that point. We were really going gangbusters. And at that point, as an entrepreneur, you, you really depend on you know your team to do a lot of things, especially if you take on too many things like I had at that point. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, my background was in search engine marketing. So initially, I was the person who was ultimately responsible for all of the uh, search engine optimization and paid search marketing that we did. But at that point, I had um, a department head that was was running all of that for us, and I was uh, he's very very smart smart guy, um, and had learned uh, everything I knew and more about search engine marketing at that point. So I I just sort of just had delegated that to him, and then he had a team of people both inside and outside the company that he worked with to accomplish tasks. Well. Um, I wasn't looking that deeply into the specifics of his strategies, but he had gotten, for whatever reason, a lot more aggressive with his link building activities. And, um, you know, looking back hindsight 2020, if I had seen what he was doing, I would have known it was a dangerous thing. I would never have known it was as dangerous as what Penguin caused. Right. right. Um, wor worst case scenario back in those days, if you did a bunch of you know, link building from, from, uh, you know, spammy sites and that sort of thing, Google would just devalue it and you would just lose any benefit from it. Yep. Penguin changed the, changed the game because they didn't say, okay, we're just going to take away that value. We're actually going to label your website as spam. And <laughs> right. so when, when, when they did that, you know, I was sitting in my office and I just happened to be manually checking some of the rankings and I just, I actually watched the rankings drop while it happened. And I, I, I it was on a Friday and I thought I was going to be sick. Um, 
And uh, now, when so, you say you watched him draw, I mean you could literally see. I was refreshing the page refreshing the page and watching that site drop in the uh, in the rankings. That's because for, for terms that I knew were big, huge traffic and yeah. revenue terms for us. And I I literally sat there and watched it happen. Everyone from the office was gone, but me, and I was just sitting there, kind of just like you know, I'm just going to check and see how things look. And I was right. like, well, that doesn't look right. And then I just refreshed it, and I was like, that that looks worse. And it just kind of happened. And it was it was just you know one of the biggest uh, you know body shots you could possibly take as an entrepreneur is to watch your revenue stream just just vanish before your eyes yep. and have no way to handle it. I mean, we tried to call, I, I, we were hoping it would be something that we could deal with over the course of a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks, <laughs> all hands on deck, right. working our butts off. And the nature of that algorithm is it doesn't work like that. You can't recover until they refresh it and you have to do a lot of work to mm-hmm. get to, to prove to them, to prove to that algorithm that you're not, you're no longer engaged in those, in those link building strategies. So you had to, did you have to go disavow a lot of those, those links that were, okay, yeah. But the important the thing to remember is that they didn't come out with a disavow tool until six months after that. Right. So there wasn't even, there wasn't even a disavow tool. It took months before people really knew what exactly happened. Um, uh, there were clues, but Google doesn't tell you, hey, this is our penguin update and, and this is how it happens and this is how you can fix it. They just say, sorry, and that's it. You don't, you know, the, the, over time clues come out and they start giving you more information, but at the beginning, there's just, you know, you really don't, they just say you're spam and that's the end of it. Talk real quick right. and, and just for people that are, are kind of you know, this is kind of new to them in terms of links. What in, and these were just irrelevant links that were bringing people back to your site from, I mean, things that were just probably, I don't know, were they link farms or, or, or what kind of, um, what kind of links were these? Obviously they, uh, they didn't have any relevance to what, uh, to what your site was about. Correct. No, that's not necessarily true that the, that, that the articles didn't have relevance. There's, the articles did have relevance. Where we got in trouble was, um, well, I mean, they, where there were articles. So They were articles. We did, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where there were articles. Yeah. There, so there, there were, there were um, the, the two things that got us in trouble um, were uh, one, which is a pretty simple thing. It's something called social bookmarking. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are an unbelievable number of social social uh, media platforms out there. I mean, you know about Facebook and Twitter and like some of the big ones, but there's there's hundreds of them out there, if not thousands of different smaller ones. And so one of the strategies that people will do is they will create a profile on these various sites because a profile oftentimes says what's your website and they and, and so you put your website in there with a link back to your site. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them Knowing that they would get more, they would get more profiles created specifically for the links, would actually allow you to not only put a link back to your website, calling it say say it's choose what. Yeah. They would let you call it anything you wanted and use anchor text to say like right. you know startup guide or or small business startup or something like that. That's more more valuable from a, ser- a more valuable search phrase that yep. helps you get ranked in that search term. Mm-hmm. So. But but most of them were just garbage. Yeah. Most of those social networks were just, were, were just you know bottom feeders. So by getting those links, I mean I didn't make our content any worse, and it really didn't. Nobody really even saw them. But because they existed, and it was and Google assumed it was being done to game the system, especially if you did a lot of them. Right. They looked at that and said that's bad, violates our guidelines. You know you're in trouble for that. Yeah. Then you add to that another threat strategy that we had employed that was bad was we had 
written articles that were good articles, um, but then we had basically modified that article slightly, done what's called spinning, so this oh, changed yeah. the sentences around a little bit, changed the wording around a little bit, so it doesn't look like duplicate content, right. and then submitted them to, um, uh, you know, dozens of different blogs that would allow you to post you know articles but these blogs existed for the same reason they had very little they had very little viewership very little very little value on their own the articles were fine there's nothing really wrong with them they read a little funny because they were had been spun in a lot of cases but they weren't terrible yeah um but because the sites themselves were clearly had no value other than to host these you know spun articles you once again were connected with that and so once you if you get enough links from those kinds of places um, and, uh, and and have optimized anchor text in them, then Google, it, that's one of the things that can get you caught in this Google, in this penguin trap. And we had hundreds of those links. Yeah. Um, if not, th- and, well, the other problem is, is that once you, those sites in order to replicate themselves would then take what they've already done and then recreate themselves on another domain with a lot of the same content and, and links. And we had some directories like that as well. And so now they've replicated their own business on lots of different websites that all have that same link to you so even if you didn't apply to those sites they're now been replicated hundreds of times without your control yep and now that but that reflects still back on you so um sure yeah i mean it's it's uh and this is not an easy overnight fix i mean this is this takes a lot of time and uh it's kind of like it's kind of like going through the legal process it's it's uh it, it, it's been longer. <laughs> it's been a longer process than going through a lawsuit right and, and hard and more expensive ultimately mm. um so what it's, happened it's, after it, that i mean what because uh, i mean all of a sudden your revenue completely drops the bottom drops out what did you do i mean you had you had employees at that time right i mean you had uh people on the payroll and you had cost and everything and all of a sudden you go from i mean your income takes a huge drop and and uh, that's one of the sad realities of this is that you know a lot of people were in that situation where overnight their sites went from being ranked really high generating uh significant revenue to nothing and uh just like that yeah, well, I mean, we didn't go to nothing, but but Google dropped to so, so you know dramatically. Unfortunately, we still had some you know, decent volume of revenue from you know various sources. We had so much traffic at that point, but it was it was it was devastating. And that that right there, the people issue here was uh, was and still is the hardest thing about all of this. Um, we did our absolute best to try to preserve what we could. Um, after probably after uh, after about a month, Google did their first Penguin update, um, and that that they made that update, and they didn't do another one again for like six or seven months after that. Right. They did that one update, and best we could tell, only one site recovered because it was the one that got a lot of press in Australia because it was a huge WordPress theme site that got hammered by Penguin and. I think Penguin basically they just did an update purely to clear that one site, but nobody else recovered. And at that point, we kind of realized this is going to be this is not an easy fix. This is going to be a long problem to fix. Yeah. And so we at that point, my business partner and I started started the separation process, um, uh, which was a whole different animal. Um, and we did our first round of layoffs, and we, we, we tried to do as generous of a service severance package as we could for folks and try to do everything we could to help them find new jobs. 
Um, but we had to cut costs because we needed to, we wanted to be able to be around for, for long enough to recover at some point. Sure. And so we just had to cut the, cut the ongoing costs. So, um, we did that, um, cut stream down and then just kind of tried to continue to exist. But the thing just didn't turn around for a long time. And, uh, we had, I had to go through that process two more times and basically knock it down to where I now only have one, one, you know, employee on the books. Um, I now work with a lot of contractors, but I'd had to restructure the business. And we had, at that time we had a big office, not a fancy office, but a big office to hold a lot of people. And we had an internship program and a lot of young people really, you know, learning was a lot, real fun environment, but, um, it was expensive to operate all that. So we had to shut all that down and, and, and just, I had to, I had to kind of sit back and be creative and figure out, okay, how, how do I make this work? And, um, uh, so, uh, you know, let the, once the office lease expired, let that go. Um, and, uh, now just rebuilt the team just with everyone working virtually as contractors. And, uh, and now actually today, um, we've, we have turned the corner, uh, the penguin penalty that there was an update that happened in October of 2014, which was actually the most recent penguin update. So that's, you know, that shows you how slow those things are these days. It's been almost right. 16 or 18 months. Right. Um, and, but fortunately we did virtually all of our important sites were cleared at that point. Plus we, I've launched another site since then that was generating some decent revenue. Um, uh, and started building back up. So I've been reinvesting back in the business, uh, put a new design on choose what one that we had actually come up with back before all of this happened, but was finally able to justify the development costs of putting that on the, on that, that new look on the site, mm -hmm. um, putting some, uh, strong marketing efforts back into it. I've been working with some really talented writers, uh, for the last couple of years, uh, trying to get better and better quality content, doing, doing things, you know, that really have some longevity, or not don't put us at any sort of algorithm risks. Yeah. Um, or and, and what's the, what, I mean, what is the process now for people that want to know? It really is no secret today with, I mean, there's no, first of all, there's no shortcuts anymore, uh, which used to be the case, but um, in terms of, you know, generating, I mean, this uh, search engine marketing still relevant, but it's just, you got to do it. It's a slow uh, it's it's a slow organic process that takes time and it and it really takes an effort of generating really good content. I mean quality content on your site and uh, and and posting quality content elsewhere that maybe links back to your site. Yeah, I mean that's it's a combination. So people have always said if you create quality content, you'll get ranked, and that's just nonsense. Yeah. Um, People create quality content all the time that no one ever sees. Exactly. Uh, I mean, that's that, that's silly to say that if I just create quality content, people, you know, the search right. engine will rank it appropriately. That's ridiculous. Right. Um, the, the you'll see a huge advantage that uh, that's that startups that have you know have big venture backed firms have on search engines, and that's because they have great PR. If you get if you get picked up by Y Combinator or come out of that group, or you get backed by Google Ventures, or you get any of these big these big VC firms that have big, you know, big resources and uh, and are very very fun for for the media to follow, their investments always rank very well quickly because they're going to get mentions in every you know TechCrunch and and the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and every media outlet across the country and they're getting all those links organically from that so that gives them a huge boost 
if you're not one of those firms, you don't have that big um, uh, sort of support that automatically entitles you to this 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 PR engine. You have to be creative, um, and you have to create your own PR. Search engine optimization is more of a PR game than it ever was right now. And what that basically means is you've got to create quality content, and you also have to be able to pitch it. You have to figure out how who is it that might be interested in that content, when might they be interested in that content, and why, and be able to build a relationship before you even create the content with those people and then create the content with those people in mind so that when you put it out there, you send it to them and it is something that they're looking for and that they will ultimately link to from future articles or reference and share. So it's it's a complicated process, much more so than it ever has been. It's not one that's easy to do. You can't just hire a firm to go out and build a bunch of links. You've got to do a lot of things to, together in, in sort of one um, – one cohesive approach, right. um, but it, it, it's 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 fun if you do it well, and I, I I've learned how to do it, you know, better, and I, mm -hmm. but I'm working on it every day. Um, you know, the, the days of creating a content for content's sake are gone. Yep. You, we there's just no point. There's too in much out there. I mean, there's really too much out there. So you've got to find ways to to really. Uh, I mean, you, you've got to find ways to get attention. You know, to that yeah. content. Yeah, you got to look for what's current, what's yep. new, what has. I mean, things and and something, and all, unless you're a journalist, you're not going to write. A, you're not going to find something that no one's written about. It yep. just doesn't. It's not going to happen. They're 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 the ones the the journalists that have those those firms that are coming up with something new or new industry, new technology. They've got that. So you have to figure out, okay, what angle hasn't been looked at? What, right. How can I match up my expertise and my experience to 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 present something that doesn't exist yet? Can I maybe do a survey? That on a topic that hasn't been surveyed properly yet, or, or approach approach this from a, a different user base, or um, and and take a look at their perspective. Um, you know, can I present the information in a way that 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 reveals something that other things, other other articles haven't revealed? Right. So, you know, people will say create infographics, create videos, write write articles. Yes, those those are vehicles. That's but, a, that's only the beginning, though. <laughs> yeah, that really is, and and actually, it's not the beginning. The beginning yeah. is relationships. Yeah, you gotta, right. You got to figure figure out. Okay, who who who's going to read this? Right. If you just write the art, if you just write good content and wait for someone to find it, you'll be waiting a long time. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Leo, this has been fantastic, and I mean, it's a it's a great story because you've gone you you know you went from a you know, obviously success, uh, successful startup, um, then went through some bumps, but then you're back up, you know, and you had to get leaner, um, from, you know, some of your experiences and some of the, uh, you know, some of the things that you had to overcome, but you're now leaner. Um, you know, you're not, you don't have employees or as many employees. I think you said you had one employee, but most of, uh, who you work with now for your businesses is our virtual assistants. It sounds like, so that helps, you know, a lot of the cost and it helps to be able to uh, run and, you know, run this business. And it sounds like to me, you've kind of, you're back on track in terms of, you're back in the good, good graces of Google. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mostly. And it's, a, it's, it's a, you're always a little afraid of where you stand uh, with, with Google. Um, we used to call them the bear, yeah. you, know, you know, put some fish out there and kind of back away and hope they, <laughs> See what hope they like it. <laughs> Because the bear can always swatch you with its be big right. meat paw and you know murder you, but um, the uh, I will the, the I will I do want to give a, a sort of a, a a promotion for 
for for contractors. Yeah, Con- working with contractors is great. I mean, it's you mentioned virtual assistants. I do work. I do actually contract out sort of one-off projects. I use Upwork, which is a, a really amazing way to find really smart people who are inexpensive that can do like little one-off ta- like research tasks, things like that. Um, and that's wonderful. But I also work with contractors, you know, locally, you know, in the United States uh, that write for do write articles for me. Uh, some of them do uh, graphic design work, um, do development work, all kinds of different things. And working with contractors isn't less expensive, you know, on a per hour basis than hiring someone full time. Um, but working with contractors has one advantage because they they're trying to earn your business when you when you when you contract with them when you when when they're working on a project for you when they bring it to you they really it's important for them that you're satisfied with the product, um, and that's a very fun relationship to have as a business owner because employees sometimes have a different they, they can ultimately have a sense of entitlement that you know I work here and what are you doing to keep me here yep. where a, a contractor is looking at it going saying they're looking at it from the perspective of saying how can I earn the, the right to do the next project for absolutely you? yeah and and it's fun. I mean, employees have a great place because you can, they can learn a lot about your the inner workings of your business, and they can progress and develop, and that's a lot of fun as well. But, but I do um, I do want to say that for entrepreneurs out there that are trying to find a way to um, uh, get talented work, um, don't really know exactly how long they'll uh, how long they can commit to being able to provide revenue or provide uh, payment for a particular kind of service. Maybe a development project is only going to last for. a few few months feel free to look explore the contractor world there are a lot of great talented people out there that can do a great that are that are that are willing to prove themselves to do a great job absolutely i want to find out uh you mentioned some of the correct ways you're doing search engine marketing today any other thing are you still using google uh adwords are you using um anything like facebook advertising now for your uh for your business i've done google adwords and being ads um in the past i from for for my particular business it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from a profitability perspective and a time investment perspective mm-hmm. to do that it's um it, it can at times and i still use it from, from time to time but it's not a big focus um facebook advertising um, I find that to be most useful in building out your own uh, to try to get gather likes for your business for, for your business's Facebook page, um, and to promote particular pieces of content that you think are really valuable. Um, but it's not. I don't use Facebook to try to garner traffic to my site. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about trying to market a particular piece of content, or actually just trying to increase the the likes on my Facebook page because it it. it so if for, for those of you who don't understand this, uh, if you put a post something on your Facebook page, the only people who have a possibility of seeing it are people who have liked your page. Right. So, so it makes sense to, sp- to spend a little money on advertising on Facebook to build up the number of likes on the page so that when you do post an article there, there are people who um, – there you have an audience at that yeah. point. Well, Leo, this has been fantastic, man. I really appreciate your time today. look forward to sharing this. And uh, I guess people can find out more about your business by going to choose what – Dot com. That is choose what. So choose what um, is designed around our startup guide. Mm-hmm. So we have the 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 sites organized. So if someone has an idea for a business and they're trying to get their get their infrastructure in place, we walk through everything from naming your business 
getting an email address, getting a website built, getting an EIN for your business, setting up your LLC, um, all of those things. We have how-tos for each step. And for steps where they're relevant, we also have comparisons and reviews of the products and service providers that actually provide those services. We also publish Starticles, which are – it's basically our blog. So we call them you know, startup articles, so Starticles. And they're all very tactically driven so that when you read it, you hopefully have something that you can take and, and utilize to help your business. And we even have a forum, so if you have questions – um, I personally will answer them, and I also have a network of people that I work with um, that are professionals in different areas to make sure that any questions that get posted in the forum will, are answered. But we try to be very tactical so that people, you know, our, our job is to save entrepreneurs time, not give them more stuff to read that they don't need. Absolutely. Well, very good. He is the uh, CEO and founder of Choose What. That is Leo Welder. Leo, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure, and uh, look forward to uh, staying in touch with you. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate it. 